Welcome to the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we cover the world of independent comics. I am one of your hosts, Brian, and with me as always uh, are Carrie and Darcy. Hello. 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 How are you all doing today? Pretty good. good. Yeah. No, we actually have rain. Here. Yeah, it's been cozy yeah. over here. It's been, it's been nice. nice. Our our dog is hydrophobic though, so he's gonna have a tough time going outside. I had to stand out in the rain barefoot in my pajamas with him while I coaxed him to go pee and I got soaked. That was fun. But yeah, he he did it like a big boy, so I was very happy. <laughs> so, so proud. <laughs> it was a very you know what I realized I would be an excellent human mother as well, because there was there's nothing I wouldn't do for this dog. So I, I I have those maternal instincts Yay. somewhere deep down. Which I'm pretty nice. good with cats, but I would be horrible <laughs> with humans. So yeah. I, I would be a terrible. We do have a fun episode today. And uh, we'll be talking about um, some more witchy stuff from last week. We'll Yay. move it on to this week as well with uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But before we do that, we'll get into our regular uh, scheduled stuff that we talk about, which includes at first DIY Corner. So um, actually, I'm going to go first this week. And um, first things first, actually, it's kind of a deep part of the DIY corner. Well, it is, but it's not. I'm not recommending a Kickstarter or anything. There's actually an article that I'm going to put on the website and also on the show notes. Uh, it's about Spike Trotman, who, uh, who runs Iron Circus Comics. And they basically, Iron Circus does about 30 has done about 30 Kickstarter projects um, that they're basically it's a publishing house that runs through Kickstarter. It's a very interesting article. It kind of gets into stuff that we've talked about here. I know we've talked about Iron Circus books before. Um, they did the, the indigenous uh, myths and legends series that we talked about about six months ago, maybe less than that, but, but yeah, so uh, very interesting article. Definitely worth checking out and I'll put that on the, on the notes here. And Speaking of Iron Circus, I'll get into um, the book that I want to talk about for for uh, DIY Corner, which is Re- Real Hero Shit by Kendra Wells, and that is an Iron Circus book, and it is essentially it's a it's a um, kind of like a, a Dungeons and Dragons kind of fantasy book where there's a quest involved and uh, and and these heroes go on this quest to uh, to you know thwart an evil or uh, do questing stuff apparently. <laughs> So, um, so essentially, this this is a it's a, it's actually it's an oversized volume, which is really nice. I always like oversized uh, volumes when, especially when it has nice art, which this one definitely does. Mm-hmm. And it is um, a story about a group of adventurers who um, go on a quest because innocent villagers are are missing in this small mountain town, and uh, really no one is helping them. So they go out to try to help saw this and the leader of this group is um it's like a half demon prince so it's it's a pretty interesting and eclectic uh group and um sounds sounds like a lot of fun actually so very cool um and that it actually will be ending pretty soon it'll be ending on friday so the day after this podcast comes out but like we discovered last week, you can still um, buy a book after the Kickstarter ends. Awesome. 
Yeah, you have to, they, they generally offer you a way to do that. Yep. But it has, been, it has met its funding goals and it's doing stretch goals. So if you want to be part of the stretch goals and, and get some cool prints that they have, of these, they're like fancy versions of all the uh, characters in it. Looks like, they look like a, like a lot of fun. Um, I would definitely recommend uh, trying to, to join the Kickstarter before Friday. So, Darcy, you also have a book. It's not a Kickstarter, though, right? For us? It's, yeah, it's kind of like a pseudo DIY kind of book. Uh, it's something I've kind of mentioned a couple of times. Uh, I've talked about my friend in Thailand who is a professor at Chula University, Nicholas Verstappen, uh, who kind of got me into uh, Thai comics when I was looking to get into Thai comics. Uh, and he has released... Um, kind of the finishing, uh, not nearly the finish, but some of the finish of his uh, research on Thai comics called The Art of Thai Comics, A Century of Strips and Stripes. Um, And it's not completely at all DIY because, you know, he's got editors and translators and it was published eventually through River Books. Uh, But it's one of those projects that kind of starts out, you know, he's going out and finding uh all these comics and doing all this work as research for himself and then you know you bring more people into it so i kind of it didn't so much necessarily fit under like a comic book spotlight uh but it didn't necessarily so much fit under a diy so it kind of fit in this middle place so that's kind of where i'm putting it um Nicholas deserves a lot of credit, uh, but like he said when I was talking to him, like uh, Pirapat Kitsawat, who's a Thai comic book creator, did the design for the book, which is incredible. Um, it is uh, a academic text on Thai comics, on, on the history of Thai comics. So if you are interested in like academic comic book work, like uh, Superwomen and stuff like that, um, this is kind of like a, I, I personally, I think it's one of the most interesting kind of like academic comic book works I've ever seen because you don't see much coming out about Southeast Asian comic book history, especially in English. <laughs> um, and it, it's just beautifully done, just visually, it's put together super well. Uh, it's full color. It's got great examples in it. Uh, It's incredibly well written. Um, And it starts uh, all the way back with like uh, the Ramekin, which is this, it's the world's largest graphic narrative. If you've ever been to Thailand and been to the Grand Palace in Bangkok, uh, there's a temple for the Emerald Buddha in the palace. uh, And it's got this uh, graphic narrative on the walls. Um, called the ramekin and um, it's fantastic it kind of reminds me of I know we talked earlier about like Ibrahim Joyas from Cameroon and his like graphic narratives it's kind of like that only it's on the walls of the temple and it's it's huge and it's just telling this story kind of like about Thailand and it's fantastic and you kind of start there and you work your way through uh, Thai comics or cartoons and you go throughout 
like history and you do, he talks about, uh, he, he brings forward, you know, editorial comics and like newspaper comics and comic books. And he talks about the history of like tie appropriation of different kind of cultural comics. So you've got uh, this fantastic character who's like this mishmash or the amalgam of uh, a Batman character and this like manga a ninja character who's really fantastic. You get a <laughs> amalgam Superman character. Um, and you move forward even further and you get like to the late 1990s when Thai independent comics really become popular. And uh, that's like Sudachart, who I've talked about on here because mm -hmm. he's the creator of Joe Secret Agent, whom I really, really love and who actually was the one who introduced me to Nicholas in the first place. Um, so... And then kind of move forward again and we get through to um, like the mid to late uh, 2000s, uh, which is kind of where the book stops because uh, he talks about the idea that in Thailand, uh, comics and comic books are seen as kind of like a lower level art form not really an art form at all like you go and people are like oh yeah this is for children which is something we understand as people who in in english language read comic books people kind of think oh children a little mm -hmm. bit less so now like there's a wider range of comic books and it's, it's kind of more understood but we've we've faced that sort of like mindset ourselves but it's even more so in thailand so there was this period of uh, independent comics highs in like the late 90s, early 2000s, that's kind of plateaued and derailed a little bit recently, apparently. Um, and hopefully this will maybe bring interest back, uh, this book, um, because it is, it's been published in English and it's available on Amazon to get through a third party. Uh, it's, not cheap and it shouldn't be because it holy crap it's a lot of work um and it's huge it's very much got the uh coffee table book thing it weighs i think about 500 pounds it's gigantic <laughs> oh, wow. um but it is it it really is it's a gorgeous book uh if you are at all interested in uh Thai comics or the history of comics at all, if that's something that that you're interested in exploring, this is a book for you unquestionably. Um, if you have looked into any of the Thai comics I've talked about uh, throughout our podcast, which would be Joe Secret Agent or any of Art Gino's work like Now um, or Juice, uh, there are images from Now and Juice in this book. Um, I, I just, I, I've barely touched it so far. I'm a couple of chapters in, um, and I've just, I've, I'm super impressed with the work. I think it's gorgeous. Awesome. It looks really good. The, the pages I've found online, very diverse, uh, styles of art and very cool, like looking subjects and coloring and yeah, it looks really, looks really nice. And one of the, one of the uh, pictures I found was one of my favorite uh like southeast asian ghosts the the the, the woman's head with the uh the entrails hanging uh, off of it yeah the casa or whatever yes yeah that that is pretty awesome and yeah she's 
she's pretty much everybody's favorite. She's great. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, it's, it's a very visually stunning ghost. So that's that is very cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And to to, I guess, get into DIY to make it DIY fitting, uh, there is a section uh, called self-made in the book and it's the 2000s to 2020s section which would be where our Gino fits in uh, it would be where a lot of uh, uh, Nicholas's uh, students fit in um, if you go to his website which is from dusttilldrawn.com uh, you can see a lot of the student work there and it's, it's incredible work, just really unique and interesting. Um, one of the reasons why I keep pushing a lot of Southeast Asian or we keep looking for like African work is because um, just the reason why a lot of people talk about the importance of diversity in, 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 in comics period is that it diversity in story is important and it's not just like diversity in race or diversity in gender diversity in sexuality um it's also diversity in culture because it brings diversity in storytelling and i, I think that's super important because when you look at the way uh these students tell like they'll have the same topics or the same tropes or the same uh byline that they're supposed to answer to and each of them tells these stories in incredibly different ways and extremely different ways than I would tell them because they're coming at them from a different lens um, and I think that's incredibly important to be aware of and to seek out uh, because um you know, people complain about reboots all the time, you know, reboots, they're so boring, but it's not so much that they're boring because they're reboots. They're boring because they keep coming from the same place over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think getting this diversity of culture is as important as getting a diversity of, uh, well, we need more women in the industry, or we need more uh, queer people in the industry, or we need more whatever in the industry we also need more people from outside of america in the industry absolutely and i mean it's starting to trickle in and you can kind of tell i mean i mean for example like ron v mm. in and like Very he's writing so. he's writing like dc comics and mm. yeah like they have the same kind of like feel as as regular dc comic like his catwoman is definitely a Catwoman book, but there's just something different and special about it. And it's probably because of his perspective is different because he's not like a white dude from America <laughs> writing Catwoman, you know? So absolutely. So yeah, definitely. And yeah, voices are very important. So this, uh, this sounds really cool. And I definitely, um, I wouldn't be able to steal it from you because it's too heavy, but I definitely <laughs> want to check it out somehow. We can buy our own copy. Yeah, the video copy. you sent us looks really good. Yeah. I was really excited. Yeah, it looks really good. Okay, well, I think we should now move on to our spotlight section. And um, who went first last time? Was it? It's been me. It's I keep volunteering. You? Okay, well, Darcy, do you want to go first this time? I no, certainly too. can, or you okay. can, because I just talked a whole time. You know what? I'll go first. 
Oh, I I don't ever really go first, and I went first on the DIY corner too. So today is Brian's first day, apparently. <laughs> um, okay, so um, I have chosen a book. I was gonna choose um, it's a um, comicsology original uh, book. It, Scott Snyder over the last like four weeks have has done like new comicsology books that have come out the number ones and not a huge scott snyder fan but one of them was drawn by francesco francovia so that's the one i decided i was going to check out and it was good but and i and you know you could probably look it up and find it and it definitely doesn't need you know us to boost it it's it's scott snyder and he's a pretty famous writer so just a um, little bit famous yeah <laughs> there's a so um, I subscribe to a writer, the guy who writes Tartarus, um, and he wrote Kramer also for Comicsology. His name is Johnny Christmas. I subscribe to his uh, newsletter. And um, on Saturday, I was going kind of getting through all my emails and I came across um, he has some, um, you know, basically some information on a book that he is writing right now that or that will be coming out in May. I think it's already written and drawn, um, but it's, it's his first middle grade book and it's called Swim Team. And um, the newsletter, what really intrigued me is, so like growing up, uh, you know, for those who don't know, I'm white and I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm male. And <laughs> I grew up basically at a swimming pool. Like I, learned how to swim at a very young age, did a lot of swimming throughout like my life when I was basically, I was also a latchkey kid, but like during the summers, instead of being at home, I would literally just walk down the hill to the pool and then jump in the pool and be in there for like hours. He grew up in a very, very fancy part of San Diego. Yeah, it, just it, so it was, a, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an influent area. And, and also I've kind of come to realize that as well, that I definitely had that privilege. And, and then, you know, um, finding out later that that absolutely is a privilege is not the way of life for everybody uh was kind of a surprise to me when i was a lot younger i mean obviously it's been a while since i've known that but but you know that that was definitely one that's kind of like oh wow like i'm special i'm i'm different and like people something i've enjoyed my entire life is unfortunately something that not everyone gets to enjoy and that kind of boils down um johnny christmas in this book or in, in the newsletter kind of boils it down um, because of, guess what? It's America, so racism. <laughs> and uh, that 70% of African-Americans do not know how to swim mm. to this day. And 31% of white Americans, only 31% of white Americans do not know how to swim. And so there's a huge, huge difference in, in, in those numbers. And, um, and the big reason why uh, is because the pools and and beach access even after like jim crow laws were ended and, and things like that they were still very much segregated and and like black people basically were not allowed to go to the to the pools and learn how to swim and stuff like that so a lot this is a this is something obviously that is taught generationally i know i was like taught by my parents like by my dad especially how to swim and i know that's not that's a very common thing among people who have parents that know how to swim so if the parent doesn't know how to swim they're not probably not going to teach the kid how to swim either because they one don't find it necessary to they're afraid of like water or not i'm sorry that's 
incredible. They're afraid of swimming because they don't know how to swim. They might have they might have almost drowned in their life. And three, they they tried to swim and got you know segregated, and it's a bad experience. So um, is this is something that's still very much segregated to this day, even though obviously it's you know it. it even though it's obviously not legally segregated like it used to be in, in some places. And pools are in like, we don't have like public pools so much anymore. And yeah. pools that are like available quote unquote to the public are in way more affluent areas than mm-hmm. like, exactly. yeah, it's even if it's not segregated the way it used to be, mm-hmm. it's still like area wise segregated. Yeah, it's pretty shitty. It, it definitely is. So that that's why this book kind of got you know my piqued my interest because essentially it's about um, Bree, who's a young black girl who um, is basically afraid of swimming, but then um, gets the short end of the stick in middle school and gets stuck with the elective of swim one hundred and one, <laughs> and so she kind of has to get over fear. But fortunately, she finds out. That one of the uh, the old elderly people that live in her apartment, Etta, is a um, is a former swim team captain, and Etta kind of put takes um, Brie under her wing and teaches Brie how to swim. So I guess like you know, kind of like that sports being a trope where like the sport is the most important thing in the entire like world. Uh, this, uh, that's what this is kind of has that vibe where this town is is swim crazy. So. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the swim team of this this middle school is terrible so they all kind of look towards uh Bree to kind of breathe new life into the uh the swim team and and put, bring them to uh to championship level so it sounds like a lot of fun i i know uh christmas basically said i wrote this book because this is a book i wish was around when i was a kid mm. so i love it when middle grade books and and stuff are written like that because it's definitely important to change it the way someone's experience was that was negative as a kid to to when they're adult absolutely they can make a difference for our kids i want to read that i want to read that as an adult because that's our family experience we live in a lower socioeconomic town in southern california that's mostly um that's mostly mexican like um from the indigenous parts of mexico um so like way further south than like border towns or anything and so um we have a high uh population of Mistaken peoples and um it's there's lots of things that happen because of that and it's unfortunate but our town has we just i looked at the census numbers we have almost 250,000 people in this tiny ass town and we have no community pools um we have nothing that has public access uh if you want to get swim lessons you actually have to go to like the areas where Brian works uh, so and pay, and, for wait, them. and pay for yeah. them, which are way more affluent, or you have to go another town over up North. And that again is mostly, um, mostly white and uh, middle to higher middle um, socioeconomic backgrounds. So they have a lot more, they have like four community pools and it's just, you see you see kids to me it's a safety thing because we're the town that's closest to the beaches and so you know mexicans we like to barbecue so we'll go and we'll have a barbecue but then if our kids want to go in the water 
like mm-hmm. it's a it's a thing it's not it's not safe and i i don't i don't like that at all and my my older brother who just turned 43 this year his wife again white she grew up in an affluent area um she was a a lifeguard and a like a whatever a lifeguard captain in um and a swim team person in college and so she's just teaching her children to swim but she's also teaching my brother and it's the first like this past summer at 43 was the first time he was like buying swim trunks and like going to the pool and it was really special because he was finally able to learn start learning how to swim so I definitely want to buy this book I think it sounds really good yeah that's I mean yeah that's important I know where I'm from which is not by the ocean um (laughs) we've got more like lakes and Mm -hmm. ponds and the issue there is um like one they're gross um but but two it's kind of like they get bought up by private areas so none of that's public Mm -hmm. and the private owners like are you know so often you just can't go and get in them or if you do go and get in them you're sick but like we I was able to learn because I belong to that cult which is a different version of like a mega church so Mm -hmm. everyone I knew knew how to swim because we were taught by like mega church members because we own a giant like lake oh wow um, oh on the property so of where... on the property of the church oh, wow so okay. we had you know like my family was super poor because we were giving away all our money to the cult <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that tithing's a real bitch tithing's a bitch <laughs> um but uh we had access to a lot of things that only wealthier people would have had access to because the church had access to it. So we had a golf course um, for the church and a lake for the church. And um, we didn't have access to the plane, but the church had a plane, um, which we didn't have access to. Only the deacons had access to All tax write-offs. Oh, sure. (laughs) Um, uh, uh, and you know, we could go camping on the, the grounds, mm-hmm. which we did a couple of times, stuff like that, you know, like that yeah. we had, we, we had access and could do, uh, that people in our, you know, like making the money that, um, I, I knew other people around, you know, like living in the kind of house we were living in and eating the kind of food we were eating and like living at the kind of level we were living at weren't doing, Mm-hmm. Um, because they didn't necessarily have access to that kind of stuff, yeah. but you know, like make a church. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, you know, you kind of remind me of my dad's situation because it kind of has to do with the church in a way as well. My dad grew up, um, very poor in, in Indiana, actually very close to, um, the university in Notre Dame. And the way he learned how to swim is that him and his friends, would would basically trespass onto Notre Dame property and swim in one of their lakes you there know, you go. At, at, <laughs> at night and like and then whenever like a priest would come by that would be like meditating or, or like or like uh you know reading or something like that they would... I was gonna say molesting a student but no they um they would have to like basically stop in the water and just like be quiet and not like move around so that like 
they couldn't be heard because it was it was also the 50s and like in the 40s so it was dark <laughs> there wasn't oh, a lot of lighting so so yeah like um i yeah it's it's, it's very interesting it's kind of like but then you know like those are opportunities that not everyone has yeah it, so if, if anyone in- oh sorry oh, go ahead i was gonna say if anyone's interested um google the the disparity between um people of color and white people who who have access to the outdoors and access to camping mm, and access yes. to all of that there's a really big push um in the last few years and currently to get women women of color families of color uh queer people just really outdoors mm. and to embrace these outdoor spaces because we should have access to them as much as everybody else so um there's some really good instagram accounts and stuff like that that if you're interested in finding out these numbers it's just it's really cool to get involved that way and same thing with like the uh and, and it connects the outdoor spaces too but like um I don't know if you're like if you follow like the RVing community and yeah like yeah. stuff like that's also part of it um mm-hmm. because you know oh people follow the pretty white people who do it but there's you know yeah there's um there's actually a couple of like mixed couples like mixed mm-hmm. race couples that I follow who like do that hashtag van life shit yeah, and yeah. um there's uh I follow a lot of um like women of color who do mm, it mm, and like mm. uh solo women of color travelers mm. and this, and like fat women of color travelers because mm. i think those are all those are all voices that we need and someone like me like definitely wants to see a gay fat woman <laughs> like of color just travel the world and you know and feel the vulnerability but also feel empowered by being out there absolutely i do appreciate that absolutely very cool though and so yeah i mean and that's exactly the good reason to have kind of books like this because even though the book hasn't come out we're talking about stuff like this so that's awesome absolutely yeah definitely all right well uh i guess we'll move on to our second spotlight carrie do you want to oh okay um so i am a person that can um get kind of obsessive in my thoughts and (laughs) So I refuse to watch Squid Game because I am utterly entranced by it, but I am also very, very scared of the graphic violence. Um, I cannot watch violent things on in like a movie or television, but I can read them. Um, I, but I also am this stupid idiot that is like, oh, from screen rant the 10 easter eggs from squid game on youtube or all of the death sequences in squid game on youtube you know like because i'm i like hold it like my phone at this like tilted so i can't really see the screen but my eyes are squinted and i'm like oh yes i want to see the bridge scene because i'm an idiot and i do this at like midnight so um i've (laughs) so on that long rant i picked um liar game which is a Japanese manga by Shinobu Kaitani. Um, it's actually the mo- one of the mangas that um, the uh, creator of Squid Game said in a recent interview that inspired him um, to start writing Squid Game. They share similar themes. Um, actually, and I did not know this, Liar Game is a particular genre of manga. It's a sign-in manga, which is a type of manga that's only written 
for the demographic of like young adult men in Japan, which I thought was kind of interesting. So it basically was around for 10 years and it has kind of like Squid Game vibes. Um, it's a psychological thriller. It has um, the character of Nayo Ken Kanzaki, who um, is greatly in debt and gets coerced into playing um, a series of games to win money and getting herself out of debt but she doesn't want to do that shit. So she gets some like um, someone else to kind of help her rescue her. But what ends up happening is she ends up getting very um, sucked into the games for different reasons. So um, the artwork is, you know, it looks interesting. It definitely now looks like an older manga to me, but um, it's, again, it's these class disparities that are, you know, we, I kind of talked to Darcy about this a little bit the other day. It's, um, there's things that we should be talking about because I think as like, I really consider us global citizens, um, not just like American or whatever. So like, to me, it's really important to hear about the way other people live, even if I don't know jack shit about like the people or the country or something, it's just really important that I learn about it. So like learning about the class disparity and like the money disparities in Korea like is nuts to me so I think it's important even if they're you know it's comics I think it's important to like ingest that type of information because all of our art is based on something that's grounded and something that's tangible at some point so um I just think it's it it's really I'm not I think it's really important to to know it, uh, and I think that it's um, I don't know it's I don't have the words for it, but it's um, it looks really good. I'm I'm going to read it. I don't know if I can get through ten years worth of it, but um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's going to scratch the Squid Game itch, and all and if it's um graphic, then I I will be able to stand it more in a manga than I can uh, on the screen. Yeah. And I totally get what you're saying as well. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely, we live now in a culture where you really can't just look at yourself and others like you, you have to, you know, look outward and, and try to, you know, understand other people because we live in a lot smaller world than, than our ancestors did. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. And it is, I, I never like finished it. I just like read parts of it uh, and it's pretty good. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Cool. Okay. Yeah. It looks really good as well. I, um, unfortunately I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Google stalking it. <laughs> so all, all I see are covers, but the art looks pretty interesting. Well, it's funny because one of my first mangas was battle Royale and and the manga is vastly different from the novel and it's gross it's very much geared towards like horny boys so like i that was not obscene to me but i can't watch the movie like it just freaks me out so i'm i, I can just handle it if it's on paper i just can't the handle movie it violence people. in in yeah. in battle royales kind of cheesy now i don't know yeah. okay it, it, it definitely is it's, it's, it's 
it, it doesn't come off as visceral because, you know, it's like 30 years old. So it's kind of. Was uh, Battle Royale in the 90s? It, I thought it was 2000. It just, it just hit its 30 year or did it 20 year anniversary or 30 year anniversary? It's, it's way. It's, isn't it like 30 now? Hold on. I'll Google. Yeah. Battle well, I think it's Royale. I think it's 20 because it's 2000. Yeah. Okay. So it just it just hit. It's but still old. Still, yeah. It's exactly. still something. Yeah. The know. you know the teenagers are now in their thirties or forties who are in that movie. <laughs> so yeah. And and it's two thousand with a fairly cheap budget. So mm-hmm. they they weren't they weren't playing with a lot of money. No. Yeah. But it, but that, it, it was it was a great movie. So it adds just it adds to the charm essentially. <laughs> and I I really liked the manga. I liked what they did with some of the characters. Mm-hmm. What was her name? The girl that like had sex with people to death. Oh yeah, was she <laughs> hid uh, razor blades in her vagina? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, she, um, Mitsumi was it Mitsumi? It's something like that. Miho or yeah. Mitsumi? Her yeah. the way they developed her character, I I liked a lot better with the. The thing with her dad and the whole yes. she kept seeing herself as a as a doll mm-hmm. as a big stuffed doll man that was freaky like mm-hmm. that's one of the you know they say like the whole lives rent free in your head mm-hmm. i think that's a joke for some people with a lot of things but that's one of those <laughs> things that literally will come back to me for no reason <laughs> i will funny. just see that i will just see that panel with her sitting yeah. on top of that person and she's just that doll. And I'm like, I really wish I could forget that panel. <laughs> you know what's funny? Just describing it is, the, is bothering me. The one that always, with that character that always sticks out is when she's in the um, high school hallway and she's grabbing her crotch and she just starts pissing everywhere. Do you remember it's that? It's yeah. when they first start introducing her character. In the manga? Mm-hmm. That's a power move. I don't. <laughs> and there's two guys watching her. And it's just like, it's so gross to me. I just I don't yeah. remember that. Well, thank God I forgot that one. I can't forget the doll, but I don't remember the pissing thing. My goodness. <laughs> to each their own. If you're yeah. into pissing, go to for each it. Their as long own, as yeah. It's consensual. Exactly. And with adults, I don't care. Well, she yeah. was an adult, but she <laughs> wasn't. No. no, which is why it bothered me. Exactly. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking, no, no. Uh, Darcy, do you want to go ahead and uh, and uh, move us to our next spotlight? Something on the complete other side of the spectrum, yes. for God's sake. <laughs> like, and now for literally uh, hard pivot, a uh, hard pivot. Into, um, it yeah. is asexual awareness week. Hurrah! Yes, yes. Uh, so, um, I'm doing Sabine, an asexual coming of age story. This is another webtoon because yay free shit yay yes um this is uh i can't remember how many chapters in it's a little over 100 chapters in 104 108 104 104 but there's 108 because there's like bonuses or some shit um and uh the art's very cute it's just about this girl named sabine she started college um she is not yet aware that she is asexual, but we are because it's in the title. <laughs> <laughs> Good. 
the audience awareness. Yeah, yes. we there's full audience awareness. She hasn't named herself yet as asexual, mm-hmm. uh, but like she goes to parties and she feels like she has to kiss people because it's college and woohoo parties and people kiss mm-hmm. people at them, but she doesn't really like it because gross kissing. <laughs> uh, she goes out on dates with this guy from her class who's a little bit too pushy and he was okay at first but now I really want to punch him in the face because he's kind of a jackass about the fact oh, no. that she doesn't want to date him he's awful mm. I don't like him um at first people are like oh god she's so hetero uh, but she's also what? she's also kind of kissed girls she's kissed whoever's kind of like come up on her and kissed her because it's college <laughs> and she's just kissing people um it's you know she's got roommates and it's their friends and their love lives and it's just a slice of life coming of age story as all of her friends make really often very stupid choices um basically you go with her to two classes um and a lot of parties She's got her friend group from her room, so her roommate's friend group, and then her friend group from her classes. Uh, She's got an awkward friend in class who's kind of maybe a little bit toxic. We haven't worked this out. She's kind Mm -hmm. of like, I don't like any of your friends. You should just be friends with me. And I'm like, girl, you need to work on that. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, please don't. (laughs) That's not a very good thing. (laughs) So you know, it, it's coming along. She hasn't quite figured herself out. Nobody at the school's quite figured themselves out. They're like 18 years old. Yeah, They're young. College. They need mm-hmm. they need to work themselves out. That's what everybody <laughs> is doing. Um, but it's very interesting. Um, if you're an old person, uh, like all of us are here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you might you might get a flashback or two uh, if you're a young person it might be incredibly relatable I don't know I hardly remember being 18 thank god um, <laughs> I certainly wasn't anything like Sabine holy crap um, but on the other hand I kind of was that whole idea of you have to go on a date with somebody because your friends are pressuring you to go on dates with people because it's what society expects you of that hit pretty damn hard. Um, I, I wasn't anything like her, but on the other hand, I kind of was. So when I read this, I kind of feel it a lot, even though she's not much like me at all. There's still a lot of relatability in here. So I really, really have enjoyed this comic. Um, and the colors are real fun. So mm-hmm. you awesome. know what? It's great. Awesome. I know it sounds very superficial, but I did the eyebrows. The eyebrows are really <laughs> kind of hilarious. They're very dark. They don't match her hair color at all. None no. of them do. They're always really dark. So they're really great for expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, the expressions on these characters are always fantastic. The hairdos are great. She's got yeah. um, she's got uh, buns, uh, two buns on the side of her head. Uh, her friends have like fantastically colored hair. Uh, one of them does. I, I don't know. It's just great. It's all great. Oh, it's I love great. It. And of course, there's a dude with Kurt Cobain here as well. <laughs> I just noticed that. Yes, there so, is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it looks really. It looks really good. It definitely does. I got. I got to definitely read this. I 
maybe I'll put Daredevil aside for a little bit. Oh my god, please it's, do. It's a fast read. It and and you catch up and just you know stick it on subscribe and just read it as it comes out. Which right now, um, it's on a little bitty break. So well, great time to catch up then. Yep, it is a great time to catch up. Perfect. If I'm not reading the uh, the the Wayne Manor Chronicles or whatever it's called, the Wayne Family. Wayne Family chicken shop or, I, I, I just call it wayne family it's, wayne family again that works i, I don't know it has a I full was, name but yeah i just does. call it wayne family yes well no is that technically i guess it's not an indie comic even though it's on webtoon it's it's not because it's dc curated and dc characters but anyways um, moving on to our yes. main course so i guess it is time now for our main course which is Sabrina the Teenage Witch by Kelly Thompson, Veronica Fish, Andy Fish, and Jack Morelli from Archie Comics. So this was my choice. Nice. And so recently we, we recently uh we had a um I'm sorry, um the chilling adventures of um Sabrina has recently come back to our comic book lives i've actually never read it um i didn't find i i don't know i just um like you know not everything has to be edgy and i know this that's a very it's a very uh celebrated comic and i will probably eventually read it but this was more my speed so i had picked it up when it was coming out initially and it's and I love Kelly Thompson. I love Veronica Fish. And they're, I, I feel like this is kind of peak work for both of them. So I wanted, uh, especially since it is spooky season, I wanted to uh, kind of uh, go over this book this month. So I'll give a quick synopsis. Um, so Sabrina Spellman, her two aunts, and a talking cat named Salem uh, moved to a town of Greendale in order to be closer to the Secret Witches Council. While attending her first day at school, Sabrina makes new friends, some enemies, a couple crushes, as well as running afoul of some of the uh, secrets that their this new town seems to hold. So will Sabrina be able to get down to the bottom of these uh, secrets, secrets while at the same time balancing all the drama that's going on in high school seems to entail a new magic trinket, a few magic trinkets, a flying cat may be the answer to that question. So that was my quick little synopsis I had, I had written a little bit earlier. Oh, that's good. But so um, we'll get we'll get down to it. So uh, what is what did you all think about it? Carrie? Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, this Sabrina is the type of witch I wished Little Witches was. Um, <laughs> this, I thought it was, now you have to know, I'm the only Archie property I read was the afterlife. the afterlife one. So I don't have, I didn't grow up with Archie comics other than seeing them on the, the stands at Bonds or at Circle K. I didn't read them. Um, so I'm pretty, and then like my background knowledge of Sabrina, the teenage, witch was the live action comedy, um, you know, in the nineties that I grew up with, with Melissa Joan Hart, which I really loved as a kid. So um, this is all sorts of awesome for me. I, um, I really enjoyed it. I thought the coloring was fabulous. I loved the artwork. Um, I liked the story. I thought it was really well paced. Uh, I, 
if I were in high school, I would try to make out with every single person on the page. They were all beautifully drawn. I loved um, the friends. I loved Jessa. I loved um, Ren. I loved Harvey. I even loved Rodka. Um, I just thought they were all really fun. And uh, I wish the ants were my ants. I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't have anything like negative to say. I just really, it was fun. It's, I, when, when I was done reading it, I asked Brian, okay, do we have volume two so I can read? Because it's, it's, it was just really good. I, I enjoyed it. But again, like I said, I don't have a lot of background of Archie or the universe. So this was, this was fun. This was a good intro for me. That's it. I liked it. Very nice. Yeah, I, I've only, uh, I actually never even watched the TV show. This is, this book was basically my, my first venture into Sabrina. You didn't watch it as a kid? No, I didn't. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, Tragic. I watched it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Clarissa Explains It All with Melissa Joan Hart. I never watched uh, Sabrina. Oh, uh, you know, I was too young for Clarissa because yeah. you're you're almost three years older than me. So yeah, that's so why. Okay. That's How old it. are you? I'm 40. Not you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm 38. So we're two and a half 40. years apart. Yeah. I'm but 36. Like, I almost forgot how old I was. And I saw Clarissa Explains It All. Yeah, I did it. Was that on Nickelodeon? Yes, it was. Yeah. Maybe that was the channel we couldn't afford. Maybe. Because I didn't yeah, I get watched Nickelodeon it. as a kid. I watched it at my babysitter's house. Yeah. They had oh, to yeah. So my influence, my my uh, my spoilness is showing again. <laughs> Although my parents paid for MTV. Like, as soon as it came out, we had it in our house. That's awesome. We were the only house on the block for a while that had it. That's very nice. cool. We used to record music videos for everybody on VHS. I make bootleg copies of shit and give them to people. Nice. <laughs> That's yeah, really awesome. fun. So okay, yeah. So Darcy, Darcy, what'd you think? Uh, loved it. I don't think that's surprising. I adore Kelly Thompson, so I, there's not much risk that I'm not gonna like something Kelly Thompson does. Um, and I like Sabrina. Um, I like Archie again. Uh, unlike Carrie, Archie's kind of like my first foray into comics. One of them. Um certainly the first ones I was buying for myself uh, in the grocery stores. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm, I'm very, uh, I tend to be pretty easy on Archie, except for Ethel, uh, big Ethel energy, <laughs> which I'm not being very easy on right now. Um, but other than that, <laughs> other than that, which I'm being incredibly difficult with right now, um, you add Kelly, you add Sabrina, which I have pretty much always adored. I liked Chilling Adventures, uh, the comic, the show. Uh, I like the different interpretation. I tend to like mm -hmm. the different interpretations. I tend to think they're they're fairly fun as long as they keep some uh, some some connection to the original characters. Um, I. I I, I tend to be pretty and, and the if the writing's good obviously yeah um and the art's good and and veronica again like kelly what's yeah. what's going to go wrong with that exactly so so there wasn't a, a lot that was going to go wrong here unless you know just <laughs> Somebody cursed it. And nothing <laughs> yeah. was going to curse it. The only thing I think that um, if, if you could offer some criticism is like, um, how in the world was I supposed to believe that uh, Sabrina 
would ever look at at Harvey if Ren was there. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Like that is, yeah, Harvey's so doofy and i mean i guess he has that kind of a sweetness to him maybe I, that's I, what it is this, the second he said milady i would have been up yeah. and out of yeah. there that's so funny. jumping on ren's motorcycle and <laughs> <laughs> but no. like he, he had to be there because he's harvey yeah. and he's always been he's like sabrina's lowest lane even, so even he has I knew to that. be there yeah, exactly but so. it's like hmm, are you kidding me yeah, yeah. You, you've, you've, you've introduced a foil that's way too foily for, for this. He's more interesting. Yeah. He's more attractive. Exactly. He's not out no. here with this oh, my lady thing. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Are are Raka and Ren part of the Sabrina verse like normally, or is this kind of new characters? I didn't recognize them, but I could yeah. just be not up on it. I don't read much Archie. Uh, yeah. anymore so it's like unless there's something like kelly's doing it or somebody like really interesting uh exactly. like the the like when zadarsky did jughead which mm-hmm. we're doing next week spoilers um we're doing a little archie uh archie arc Ar- archie arc archie duology or something yeah. um <laughs> I, I i don't like read regularly anymore like i did when i was a kid so i i don't recognize them from when i was reading as a child and i don't recognize them from um uh jughead or chilling though i could just not remember which is very possible true uh, we read so much stuff i forget side characters constantly <laughs> Yeah, and no, no blame, no shame. I mean, I if, if, listen, if he was not that good looking, yeah, in something else, exactly. If he wasn't yeah. drawn by Veronica Fish, and and also a major part of the of the plot, you know, like the the Radka Ren when Wendigo thing, you know, the so so not only is he like a, a handsome, rugged kind of rebel, but he also has a dark past so it kind of hits all those those uh those fun tropes very very tropey bad boy thing mm-hmm. definitely just, just ridiculous yeah, and <laughs> i even though it's only five issues like this and i and I, I i know carrie hasn't read the the second volume the something wicked volume have you read the something wicked by any no chance? i have only read the first volume and okay. i've read it twice now but i've only read the first volume it, it and it dives a little more into into raka and ren and it, and it kind of actually focuses a lot on della the uh the the head witch of the of the um the witch's council mm. and so it's it, and it kind of gets into sabrina learning more about everything but um even though there's a lot of character development in the second volume there's a lot more unexpected character development in this one where you feel like this would be more of a straightforward introduction story but even like radka goes from like the worst person ever to like someone who's kind of relatable slash like you know redeemable i also think she's jess's crush yeah oh yeah yeah me too is she yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, I, that's the first <laughs> yeah, it, question it I seemed... asked Ryan. I was yeah, like, oh my it's... god, is Ryan just crush? Because I really want to know that. <laughs> yeah, that that I I don't remember. I read something wicked when it was coming out monthly, and that was about a year ago. So I yeah, that's I almost... that seemed like kind of the obvious because mm-hmm. she know. basically describes Radka. She's like yep, she's yeah, yeah, exactly. Mean, but she's kind of pigtail pulling. Yeah, so very yeah. I 
I could totally see it being that. I would be surprised if it, if it isn't. Um, and she's so, good looking too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, Everyone's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. They're so cute in their own ways. Like, yes. That's like the Veronica Fish magic right there. Is that just everyone's gorgeous? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I have a question. Um, so, so this is a stupid question. <laughs> so you know, like Terry and Rachel Dodson, and Mike and Laura all red. Like they're the Dodsons and the all reds. And so this is this is um, Veronica and Andy Fish. The is, fishes. So, is it the fishes or the fish? Because like fish, the fish plural is fish. So is it the, the fish? The fish plural is fish or fishes. Oh, okay. It can be either. So I call them the fishes, but the fish also works. The fish. The fish I, sounds I, a little more dark and mysterious for some reason. Like beware the fish. Both are, are acceptable plurals of the word fish. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Nice. We thank you. Know. I was I was I was wondering that last night for some reason. It's uh, like octopuses <laughs> and octopi. Both are acceptable octopi, yes. plurals of octopuses. Octopi sounds more delicious, like cake. And sure. Pie. That was stupid. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't okay. octopus the word octopus and cake right next to each other do not sound delicious at all. yeah <laughs> does not pretty. sound delicious <laughs> you don't want you don't want calamari pastries come on no, i'm just, just not in the waste. <laughs> yeah, neither, neither do i uh, no so kelly thompson like i think there's like even even lemire has written things where i've not absolutely gaga about i have yet come across something that Kelly Thompson has written that I have not absolutely loved. So I, I think she is probably like the upper echelon of, of writers nowadays. I feel like there was something like one issue of something that I was like, you know what? Mm. Off day. <laughs> maybe. It, maybe an off day. Like maybe, but you know what? I can't think of what it might've been. And, and if, it was probably the art and not Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but definitely in there. There so, was there was some weird art in one of the West Coast Avengers issues. Yes, I do remember there being some kind of awesome odd stuff, but but but, but yeah, but for the most part, it was yeah. The the writing definitely was still kind of yeah, on point. God, I love that book. The, yeah. Them canceling that was one of the saddest things. It is an absolute travesty. <laughs> and anyone who has the Marvel Unlimited app and is not reading Jeff the Landshark. Jeff the land shark. It, it's 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 Jeff is the best thing in comics right now. Yeah. So it's it's silence. It's easy to read. It's fun. Yeah. It's and it's, it's got Jeff. And once again, it's a, it's a, it's another great artist. You know, like team. Yeah. Doing it. So it's absolutely. Like, um, I think one of the reasons I like this book so much is because I told this to Brian earlier. Is that um the way. Kelly Thompson writes teenagers mm. was so spot on mm. mm-hmm. and the word like this their I don't know just like their diction and the vocab and the slang everything was perfect and it was exactly how teenagers are and teen girls are and it was just it felt it was just it was this was a great read on a rainy day. It was super cozy. It was just, it was perfect. Yeah, it has. A really good book. She's really good with that. Like if, if you haven't read Nancy Drew, I'd really mm-hmm. recommend Nancy Drew because she captures like 
teen girls and teen friendship really spectacularly. I mean, she captures everything really spectacularly, as yeah. Brian and I have both been saying. She's fantastic. <laughs> we love her. Um, but this is something she does um, exceptionally well. Um, and I think that's what makes um, West Coast Avengers and, and, and her Kate Bishop Hawkeye run also great. Mm, yeah, mm. She's early 20s, but still kind of like in the same age demographic. And yeah, and 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 Kate's fantastic. Excellent. Like my my. Um, my sister-in-law who reads comics was like, why do you like Kate Bishop so much? And I'm like, read the Kelly Thompson run of, of Hawkeye and you mm. will not disagree with me. Why Kate Bishop is so awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, she's well, very good at writing people, very good at writing sassy people. She's also well. very good at writing uh, human pet dynamics. She yes. never leaves that out. So you have here Sabrina and Salem. Um, so pretty good. much every it's not every every book she does but almost every book she does she has some sort of human pet dynamic involved in it uh, yes. and this is no exception and made even more exceptional by the fact that Salem can talk back and that is unusual for her comics because Lucky can't talk back and Jeff can't talk back and uh, I was about to say Leho but not Leho Logan can't talk back and Chewie can't talk (laughs) so so many of her her pet characters can't talk back but in this or the goat in uh, Nancy Drew can't talk back but in this case Salem can talk back. And so that's fantastic. The whole page dedicated to uh, Sabrina. I'm not your emotional support animal. I'm not your most, but I'm going to, I'm going to let you pet me anyway. And I'm going to purr about it. Yeah. 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 That whole thing was just so wonderful. I know. I I, I know Salem was originally human, but Salem is such a good cat. Like such a great cat. Yeah. Like like that, that is definitely, I wouldn't be surprised if Salem was always a cat because that's definitely how I imagine cats would cats think about us a lot of times. Absolutely. A cat on the inside. (laughs) definitely so whoever turned him into a cat did a good job (laughs) you also have in this an absolutely pitch perfect uh magical girl moment so you've got your magical girl transformation Mm -hmm. uh with a luna artemis moment for salem yes (laughs) luna yeah luna artemis uh magical girl moment for salem as well which is fantastic and i loved and then Luna wants to keep the wings, so he doesn't have to. Salem. Or, or say, yeah. I'm sorry, Salem wants to keep the wings, so that he doesn't have to to walk anymore. That's uh. awesome. Yeah, it was. No, and the one the one thing I wish there was more of in this in this series or in this uh, volume is more Zelda and Hilda, mm. the the ants. Like I really liked their dynamic, and I really liked their uh, their parenting essentially of Sabrina. I um and I, I would like to see more of that and like there is a little more in the second volume but still um you know you, for going further with the series I hope that they get a little more time to shine. Yeah, they they were maybe kind of like the least um how should I say like they had the least defined personalities of a Zelda and Hilda of any Zelda and Hilda characterization i've read maybe okay like i i kept imprinting uh chilling adventures 
the TV show or the Zelda and Hilda from the 90s TV show kind of mm-hmm. on them. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Yeah, because yeah, I, I have so many different Zeldas and Hildas in my head uh, from other properties that are so um, bombastic almost, have such big personalities because the actresses that generally play Zelda and Hilda are are usually so um they usually have big personalities uh and this zelda and hilda were pretty not mm-hmm. um they they were fairly subdued uh Definitely. and and they didn't do a whole ton i mean they did stuff it wasn't that they weren't doing stuff it's just that they weren't very vocal about what they were doing and they weren't very um they weren't as flashy about it as, as Sabrina was. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so I think I put more personality on them than the page was giving Mm -hmm. them. Um, And that that's nothing against um, Kelly in this matter. It's just, uh, they tend to get really good actresses in the Mm -hmm. TV shows and the, and the, and the TV shows, the TV shows and the TV shows. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, yeah, the, TV, the Netflix show and the TV show. Yeah, um, yeah from... Caroline Ray is wonderful, and I, she was Hilda in the. Yeah, she was Hilda yeah. in the Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah. and then and it's funny because Zelda's the straight man of the two, and she was even less of a quantity in in the in this particular book. Mm. But um, you know, I do, I do love the ants a lot. Yeah, but yeah, you're. I did the same thing. I I was imprinting the um the Melissa Joan Hart ants. Yeah, into the the book. And and I did I think transpose a little bit of the Netflix show. I was kind of like, so are they selling her to Satan? Is that why they're going into the woods? <laughs> well, it's funny because I didn't. I don't know what a Wendigo <laughs> looks like. And so that first, you know, when you first see the Wendigo, I know yeah. it's like Baph- Baphomet. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, no. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I don't know. I see that. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'd like to um, either read or watch Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. The Netflix show has gotten really good reviews. Oh, the Netflix show is so good. Last I season, I, yeah. maybe not, but the first season, most definitely. First two. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good show. Check it out. It looks good too. And once again, the casting looks pretty good mm-hmm. as well. I like the spells that she did. Yeah, they were really well worded. Mm-hmm. Yes. So is that how her magic usually works? Is like through rhyme, essentially? Is that is that her like magical incantation style? It's is- not always. Okay. It's not like it's not like zatanna where she has like one set way of doing the backwards Mm -hmm. yeah the backwards speaking like i've seen her just do a thing or like the Um, witch nose wiggle or something it's not like that yeah yeah i've seen her do the bewitch nose wiggle nice in a comic before yeah yeah Yeah. so i've seen her like say a thing she's had like times where she um like you know her magic will just do stuff without her you know, like she'll have, oh, like oh, puberty and her magic will do just do things. Um, there was this period in time where did she have she had like a wand, didn't she? In the 90s, there was a period when she had a wand in the comics. 
Oh, and she okay. was doing wand things. Maybe she didn't. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else who had a wand. Maybe. No, because but I wouldn't be surprised. It, it's there, very cool. I might be thinking of another short-haired witch with a headband. Yeah. How well, many it, of them are there? There were a couple. Oh, okay. The, the only thing that came to my mind was Gwen Stacy, but she's not a witch. So she's not a witch, but Gwen Stacy looks a heck of a lot like Sabrina. There's definitely similarities, and I, 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 I think from the first time I did see Sabrina, like in the comics with the with the headband and the short hair, I thought it was Gwen, and I was like, "Why is she in the Archie comic? <laughs> like, this is strange." So yeah. All this comic taught me is that I can carry um, witch hazel, basil dandelions and lilac in my backpack when i go to school mm -hmm. and i want to be a witch again this was a strong feeling i had in the eighth grade and now i want to be a witch again we're gonna listen to um, yeah. some more fleetwood mac it's it's just it's, it's a fun book i like okay, it cool well, i'm glad i'm glad it was enjoyable I, I i think we all have kind of trepidation even though it's something we absolutely love when we we bring something to the circle here it's like i love this but i hope you guys like it too you know because <laughs> like, there's there's a possibility of that not happening so there definitely so I, is. I just i just spent a lot of time today like like room at work like roommate like what if they don't like it but oh God. it's still it's still a fun episode to talk you know like if one of us doesn't like it so but i'm glad that yep. everyone enjoyed it so we have reached the uh end of the show and thank you, as always, to everyone listening to our show. Email us any questions and comments to commentsisarebetter at gmail.com. And Instagram and Twitter is cdbpod. Website is commentsisarebetter.wordpress.com, where you can request subjects for a future show. Also check out all the uh, the books that we have read so far or talked about on the, on the podcast. And uh, Darcy, where can we find you on the internet? I am at books underscore serial on Twitter at booksandserial.wordpress.com. And I'm back on my uh, Wastelanders Old Man Hawkeye bullshit. So nice. still great, still awesome. And it is still coming out week to week for free on the Wastelanders feed. Uh, if you don't want to pay for it, which I would suggest don't fucking pay for it it's yeah. excellent um it's worth being paid for but just get it ad supported exactly it's and, and like even yeah, i'm listening to it for free and there's no ad breaks it's just yeah like it just goes straight through so it's totally worth it <laughs> i wasn't a huge fan of the second episode but the third episode put me back in you I weren't us really I, I wasn't no I, I didn't really like the second episode i don't know why maybe i was was not paying too much attention because i i do listen while i'm working but i i just didn't like it as much as i thought it was and then the third third one third uh in the big recent. the episode in the big top yeah i, I wasn't oh my gosh fan. i know I, that was <laughs> that oh no i completely just disagree the <laughs> audio in that just blew my fucking mind oh, it was so incredible the, the production was great but i i don't know i just the story i was kind of like meh but then i'm back i i, I did enjoy the, the, the most recent episode a lot more so definitely there but like i said it could be also i was probably in the middle of a project that i didn't want to like at work and wasn't fully engaged like i usually am so for Carrie and Darcy, I am Brian, and this has been the Comics Deserve Better podcast. And remember, as always, comics deserve better, and everyone deserves comics. Good night, everyone.
Bye. Bye. Goodbye. And my foot is in my mouth. (laughs) And all this out. This is horrible.